The Antidote is joined by Theocracy frontman Matt Smith. Really great to have you with us, Matt. Thank you so much, Dave. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Could you share about the roots of Theocracy? I guess what I'd really like to hear is how the name came about. Well, it's funny, you know, I had been writing songs for so long because all I really ever wanted to do was be a songwriter and and had this vision of it eventually turning into the band. But it took probably four or five years that I I just kind of had this in my mind with no band name because I I didn't want to settle and I could not think of a, a band name. And the word theocracy came to my attention by a pastor or something at church, I think, and, and I was like, oh, that's a, an interesting concept and a, a cool sounding word for a band name. And I was thinking about, you know, the, the meaning of the word. And I thought, well, what if instead of, you know, a government headed by God or whatever, we made this a, you know, a personal thing, you know, a, a life, you know, trying to kind of live by God's principles and and that kind of approach instead of anything political or whatever. And, and that's what I was thinking about. And then I, I wrote the song and thought it was a a good name for the band. Now, you had just mentioned about just being as a songwriter. You were thinking about just writing the songs, but not performing them yourself. Well, I I didn't really know what was going to happen with them. I mean, songwriting has been my my passion and and my main interest and, and everything else, you know, related to this as far as performance and things like that. You know, that's, that's always been secondary. I mean, Really, the first reason I picked up a guitar was so I could write songs because I was writing lyrics already. And you know, I guess at that point it was more poetry. And, you know, I mean, even in school, I would I would make up fake albums and track listings and <laughs> fake ends and things like that. So so the creative part of it was always what was so appealing to me. And then and then, yeah, eventually I, I liked the idea of kind of starting my own band. Well, man, you talk about somebody who has talent. I mean, on the first Theocracy release, you're self-titled. It was just you, Matt, doing all the instruments and vocals. Okay, great to be a multi-instrumentalist, but wasn't that a stretch for you to record that album? It was, and it was funny because, you know, people ask me that all the time, but it was strictly out of necessity. I mean, those songs were put down as demos. You know, I'd, I'd finally written a batch of songs that I was really proud of, and so... Um, you know, the other the other part of this that I've always been really into is the recording part of it in the studio. I love the sound of records and, and kind of the art and the, the mystery of, of making albums. You know, I've, I've, ever since I was a kid, I've been fascinated by that. So, so yeah, it was just wanting to, to get good quality. I guess I should say that in quotes, good quality, because, you know, it was uh, pretty amateur at the time. But, but the best I could do, you know, uh, versions of those songs you know, and then there was a guy I knew named Darren Blevins who had a small metal label in Virginia at the time called Metal Ages, and I, I sent him a couple of the demos just to see what he thought, you know, as a as a friend or whatever, and and he he wanted to release them as an album basically, so that that's that became the first album. You know, it wasn't envisioned as as being a solo project or anything like that. It's just I. I I wanted to record versions of these songs and, and growing up in the middle of nowhere and outside of Athens, Georgia in the country, kind of in a farm area, you know, I didn't know anyone else who played metal, you know, let alone the kind of stuff that we did specifically. So it was like, well, I guess if I want to have these recorded, I better just figure out how to do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny how you mentioned about Georgia, where you live, because 
I'm going to ask you the same question I ask of the symphonic metal artist Leah, but it certainly fits with the music of theocracy, because progressive power metal is so popular in Europe, but I really can't imagine that the state of Georgia gives you a big fan base, so how do you manage that? Uh, well, you would be correct. I mean, it's funny because, you know, I'm I'm in Athens. I've lived in Athens my whole life, which is a college town and, and has the reputation as being a great music town. And it does have a great music scene, you know, but it's very much kind of college rock. You know, I mean, REM, B-52s, those are the big bands that have come out of here. And so as far as what we do, yeah, there's never been really any attention paid to us. But I don't know, you know, it just, it all kind of worked out. I, I don't really think about it that much or worry about it you know once we we hooked up with ulterior records for mirror of souls our second album and and you know they're based in in sweden and so they kind of immediately concentrated on europe as far as the touring stuff you know so we've played over there you know much more than we've played here and and so it's, it's worked out okay you know it's um you know if, if i were to let my ego get out of control or something you know when i pick up the local music magazines and there will you know be no mention of our new album coming out or anything like that it could get a little frustrated but i, I really don't worry about it you know that, that stuff's all completely out of my control so um we have people around the world who care about what we do and and we're very fortunate and thankful to be in that position so um it, it doesn't really matter so much you know where they are or or how exactly that comes about we're just happy that that people listen going to completely switch topics here mm -hmm. you made a statement a number of years ago matt where you said i think the most creative inspiring and groundbreaking people in the world should be believers meaning christians and as a whole we're seriously dropping the ball on that front i mean that certainly fits into the intent of the antidote where are the problems and what does it take to actually improve the music scene? Wow, that's a good question. You know, for me, that was really one of the reasons that I, I wanted to start Theocracy. And, and you know, any, anything I say on this topic, I don't want to come across as we're doing something that, that's lacking or filling a void or anything like that, because I just try to write songs. That stuff's not for me to say. I, I can only speak to my experience. I just know that, you know, as, as a kid, and a Christian, I was looking for bands that were, that kind of had the quality that, that a lot of the secular bands that I loved had. You know, I was looking for a Christian band that was intelligent, like, you know, Queensryche or bands like that, that I, that I loved. And uh, again, I, I don't want to say that they weren't out there. They very well may have been and probably were. I probably just wasn't looking in the right place. You know, all the, all the heavier Christian music that I came across in that period seemed to fall in, in one of two camps. It was either much more kind of death metal angled, you know, really growly, screamy stuff, which wasn't, you know, exactly what I was looking for, or it was kind of second-rate rip-off attempts of whatever was on the radio. <laughs> you know, I mean, like really blatant stuff, like you listen to five seconds of something and you can say, oh, this is trying to be quote unquote, the Christian corn or, or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like, it just Im immediately seemed second rate to me. And I, and I didn't like that. And I, I was like, well, what if I just try to, to write the songs that I would want to listen to and, and write from the heart and, you know, see what comes out naturally and, and try to try to take an approach of approaching song topics, even if they're topics that have been covered, you know, many times, maybe from a, a unique angle or something that I at least hadn't seen done before. 
you know, I mean, I mean, I made a statement early on, which I've had to live up to for the rest of my career about how I promised to never put out a, an inferior or a second rate track on an album. So I, that's really important to me, you know, to we put everything we possibly can into these albums and, and sure that makes it take so much longer and, and we don't have a lot of material out there, you know, partially because of that. But, but I think, you know, in the end it's worth it. I mean, quality is a lot, you know, that goes a long way, I think. And, and I think people can tell, you know, when, when you're sincere and, and when you put as much effort into things as, as we try to, you know, because it's a cliche, but you really can't worry about, what other people think so much i mean uh, i i'm so thankful every day that there are people who who appreciate what we do and and who love the albums but you know i'm the one who has to live with these things and (laughs) and and so it would be very tough for me to have something that i i know is not quite up to theocracy standard or doesn't quite live up to what it should you know quality wise so so that's hugely important to me and, and and I don't know if this is answering your question exactly, but the, all these thoughts kind of coalesce, you know, sort of in that direction when I when I think about this topic. Okay, you were talking about the quality of the recordings and the length of time that takes. That's where your albums are so far spread apart. I mean, I guess it's averaging, what, four or five years between them. Has that ever made you concerned about losing your fan base? Or are they just more patient than I am? So far, they seem to be pretty patient. Uh, we're we're very lucky in that regard. Um, there are a number of factors. I mean, you know, part of it is is what I mentioned earlier about quality and it just taking time. And then there's the, the real world factors that play into it. You know, jobs, uh, travel, life situations. You know, we we we're all fairly close to each other. You know, we're probably within two hours of each other, but but everyone has different day jobs and. And a lot of the guys travel for work. I mean, even trying to get everyone in the same room for a rehearsal is almost takes an act of Congress. <laughs> I always say that's the hardest part of, of being in a band to me, at least for what we do. So, so that slows things down significantly as well, you know. So there's a lot that plays into it, but you know, it, it is frustrating, and I know people get frustrated, and I definitely understand that. But I would rather. I would rather have fewer releases that are, are all of a certain level of quality than, than kind of saturate, you know, like I've, I've seen a lot of bands that just seem to creatively burn out. That's a huge fear of mine. I think about it all the time. You know, I really do think that creativity is, is a limited well. I think there are only so many times you can go to that well without either sort of blatantly repeating yourself or, or kind of losing the spark. I, I I don't know. I've just seen it too many times. I, like I said, I would rather have fewer releases and, and try to stave that off from happening than kind of burn myself out creatively too quickly. Talking about your theocracy bandmates having daytime jobs, how do you guys manage touring Europe? Um, it's tough. You know, that's why we can only do a few weeks at a time. You know, we all have to, to get our, our time off cleared and, and try to find a time where everyone can do it. I mean, John, for example, um, is a CPA, so, you know, tax season for him is pretty much out of the question, you know, because he was swamped working just ridiculous hours and things like that. So, so it's very difficult. I mean, but um, we just have to kind of do it in manageable chunks. I want to get back on to you talking about your pastor sort of suggesting the name Theocracy. 
I'm really interested to hear about why it's important for you to create music that's focused on Christ. Well, there are, there are a couple reasons, I guess. One is just what's important to me, so just trying to be honest. I've always tried to come at it from a place of honesty and of asking questions and of, of never trying to come off like I have the all the answers or, or understand everything. I think, you know, human struggle is very important for art that people can relate to. And, and the things I'm going through or things that my friends go through or questions that I have or, or topics that are on my mind, you know, as a Christian, it's always going to be from that perspective in my mind. But, you know, I try to you know, just be honest about these things. I think people latch onto that and they see it and, and they appreciate it. So that that's reason number one. And then and then secondly, I guess if there's a, a bigger picture thing, you know, it kinda goes back to what I was saying earlier, you know, about you know, as a kid, you know, I, I couldn't find those bands you know, in the Christian market that had the qualities that I love and, and so, you know, if I can play that role for some other kid and, and give them something to listen to that, that has some integrity then all the better. So I hesitate to say things like this because I don't like to say like, you know, the world needs us or something like that. I would never think that. But I, I do think that, you know, I mean, enough people have come up to us with amazing stories about, you know, deciding not to commit suicide because of this song or this song, you know, helping to save their marriage somehow and all these things that you hear that blow your mind and make you kind of realize there's a lot more than than you, you know, at work here because I could never do stuff like that myself so um so yeah I, I do think that that in that sense you know you know what we do can be important i mean uh, we you know we look at it as you know it's sure it's entertainment but it's also you know a, a ministry and, and an encouragement to people and and if our music can be used to to help people in that way then even taking you know quote unquote religion or whatever out of it i would much rather you know live my life with that kind of a purpose than than just writing more songs about, you know, girls and partying. You know, I hope that doesn't sound self-important or something. I don't mean it that way at all. But I, I do think that it's important to think about the consequences of, of the things you do. Well, now that we've been all serious, maybe we should just flip things around and go to a little bit to the lighter side. <laughs> now, I suppose I'm rushing the season a bit here, but we have to talk about Christmas songs. All right. Theocracy records a new Christmas tune each year. Some of them are absolutely nuts, like Rudolph versus Frosty. Yes, yes. Why in the world did you do that? I don't know. You know, I remember writing it. I think I was bored at work. And, uh, <laughs> I, honestly, I think it's as, that's about as deep as it gets with that one. And I, uh, I thought it was a funny idea, and and I just kind of wrote it, and, and the other guys really liked it too, and the Christmas thing's funny because I, I almost got myself in trouble with that because, you know, I, I we did this big, or I guess it was just me at the time because it was still a solo thing, you know, did this big Christmas medley the same year, I think, that the first album came out. You know, I just was doing it as a one-off thing because I thought it was cool, and, and I quickly found out starting the next year that people were expecting something every year. <laughs> you know, you know what are, what are they going to do for Christmas this year? And and so then it became, well, well, I guess we better do something. And and then I, I quickly regretted having used almost every good Christmas song in that first medley because then it became a struggle to, to kind of find something to do every year, which is why I eventually had to start writing originals. And so we, 
you know, we try to switch it up a little bit. You know, we'll do a funny one and then we'll do a serious one or we'll do a, you know, we'll do a traditional or we'll do do something original. So we, we have fun with it and, and people seem to, to appreciate it and enjoy it. And I got to admit, I look forward to seeing the annual song. Oh, good, good, good. I guess it's about time to start thinking about that for this year. It's already halfway through October somehow. <laughs> okay, we were talking about the wait between albums, but I guess we don't have to really wait much more because the new Theocracy album, Ghost Ship, released October 28th. What was it like pulling everybody back into the studio for this recording? It was funny because, you know, despite having been five years since the last new album and, and whatever, two years, three years since the, the re-release of the debut, you know, it, it's taken so long, but at the end it was also rushed, <laughs> you know, because it, the label said, look, you know, if we're going to have an album out, you know, and do this tour, you know, we've got to, it needs to be done by this date and, and so forth. And so then it was like, well, we've got to get cracking. These are the 10 songs that I've got. So we got to, we got to hit the ground running. So it was, it was kind of rushed, but it, but it was good, you know. I, I guess the the one kind of bummer about this album is that, you know, as the world bleeds, you know, we we had much more time together, you know, to get in a room together and and work out arrangements and work on some of the writing and and things like this. So I kind of assumed that the next album would, you know, continue in that vein and and actually Ghost Ship was much more almost like a solo thing again in terms of, you know, the writing and the, and the time spent. It was almost exclusively me just because of the scheduling thing I mentioned earlier. It was it happened so quickly. And, you know, really the only time that we could get together was to to work out arrangements a little bit, you know, finish writing a couple of songs and, and, and then for everyone to record, you know, as parts. So, you know, it would have been nice to have a little more collaborative time on this one, but it just didn't didn't work out that way because of scheduling. But it, it was fine. You know, it's always just a completely draining, exhausting process on every possible level. You know, many, many months and, and years with almost no sleep and mentally exhausting and everything you can imagine. But but, you know, I still uh, I still find myself putting the album on. I enjoy listening to it myself. So <laughs> that's a good sign, I think. That's all I could I could really hope for in this kind of situation, I guess. Well, you're almost making it sound like Ghost Ship doesn't meet Matt Smith's high standards. Oh no, no, no! I, I'm I'm thrilled with it. I, I really am. It's just so exhausting to to get to the point where it it meets those standards. But but we got there, and and um, yeah, and, and like I said, you know, the fact that I I still enjoy listening to it so much, I think that's a that's a good sign because. Obviously, I'm I'm our harshest critic, so it's, it's standing the test of time with me. I, I think it's I don't know what it is about this record. I I've gone on record many times as saying, you know, I'll I'll never say that this is our best album or or one of those typical musician cliches that you hear all the time. All the time. All the time. Yeah, I'll, I'll never do that. I never have, and I, I never will. But I, I do think this, you know, stands right there with the others. Um, and the one thing about this album that I love too is is I find myself kind of when it's over I want to play it again you know and and I, I think that's that's down to the songs and it's also partially down to the length you know the album is I think it's between 50 and 55 minutes which I think is the perfect length for an album I've always thought that and and all four of them I've tried to go that length and I always end up going about 10 minutes over and and this time we finally got it right in that perfect sweet spot 
you know, some albums, you know, you finish playing them and it's almost an exhausting experience and you're so drained. You know, with Ghost Ship, I, I find myself kind of wanting to start it again. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of it and happy with it. Well, you brought up the topic about the, the length. You know, Theocracy often has these monstrously long songs. I mean, many are in the 10-minute plus range. You even have one that's over 22 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Do you really find that long songs tell a better story than a short one? It depends on the song. Um, I mean, it sounds kind of silly to say, but I really do feel like the song kind of dictates, you know, what it wants to do, where it wants to go as far as length and, and things like that. And, and it depends on the the approach and, and the story you're telling. You know, I mean, you mentioned Mirror of Souls, you know, being almost 23 minutes. You know, I, I remember when I started working on that, I, I thought it was going to be eight or ten minutes. And then it kind of kept going. And, and um, you know, as the story kind of developed and needed to go here and there and, and be wrapped up, you know, it just ended up taking that amount of time. So, um, yeah, so in, in, in Ghost Ship, another cool thing about it to me is that we, you know, we didn't go quite as far in that long song direction. You know, we have one that's almost 10 minutes, but aside from that, they're pretty, for us at least, you know, fairly reasonable length, which is nice, you know, because after... A certain period of time when you've got so many long songs you know when you start thinking about live shows and, and and whatever i mean there's only so many of those that you can play so so it's nice to have uh, some more reasonable length material as well true enough i mean at some shows that, that 22 and a half minutes is your complete set it's true it's true yeah something that i've been finding out listening to ghost ship from theocracy it almost seems like the hard songs are harder on it, and the softer tracks are softer. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of songs like Wishing Well that has your guitarist Val, you know, bring out this awesome solo on the track. Yep. So was that something Theocracy was aiming for, or am I just losing my mind and reading the album all wrong? No, I, I think I think what you're saying is accurate, but it, it, it wasn't anything intentional at all. You know, it, it's funny because... I would say Ghost Ship is the album that probably had the least kind of preconceived plan just because of the time. You know, when I started writing, I was thinking about doing this kind of concept idea that ended up not quite working out. And I, I, I didn't want to have to force anything. And so I kind of put that on the shelf. And and so, you know, I was writing these other songs at, at the same time that I didn't know you know, what they were going to be yet. And, and then, you know, suddenly we were up against the deadline. So it was like, well, here are the 10 songs that we have and these work well together. And, and so, um, you know, I think this makes a great album and, and that's, that's what ended up being Ghost Ship. You know, it was probably had the least amount of planning ahead of time of any of them because I never knew exactly what it was going to be. So I don't think that what you said is, is not accurate. I mean, I think that's correct, but it wasn't anything intentional. That's just kind of how it came out, I guess. Because I think I see a bit of that coming through on Ghost Ship, where you've included a seriously great ballad, Around the World and Back. Do you think this is actually almost opening up another side of the band? I don't know about that. I, I was a little nervous. You know, I, I loved the song, but I didn't know if the guys would think it was too too soft or something. But but they actually loved it, you know, and, and particularly John. I mean, he was attached to it right away, and asked if he could play the solo for that one, you know, and, and, and so that's how he ended up doing that. So, yeah, you know, other people that I, I let hear the 
the demos and, and things, you know, as I was working on the material really seemed to, to gravitate towards that song as well. And, and so they, they felt it was special somehow. So, so I knew it was, it was solid and I was proud of it, you know, and, and uh, I was, I was happy that the other guys, you know, liked it as well and, and wanted to record it. So as simple as that. <laughs> well, we were speaking earlier about how songs are stories. What kind of message does Theocracy want to get across on Ghost Ship? Well, I think As the World Bleeds was often kind of harsh in its message, which I, I stand by, and I think it was a kind of, a, you know, a needed message. That was kind of in the back of my mind, and I wanted to do something, you know, maybe a little more encouraging, a little more positive uh, this time out. and And so... Consciously or subconsciously, you know, I, I think this album is, is quite uplifting, you know, for the most part and, and, and has that thread running through it. And it's not conceptual, you know, there are themes that kind of tend to reoccur here and there. I mean, I mean, the title track, for example, Ghost Ship, you know, was really inspired by people I talked to on the road, you know, conversations that we were having with people after shows, you know, we met so many kids you know, you could tell they were looking for a place to fit in and, and you know, our music means so much to them and, and they were, they felt like misfits and, and I could totally relate to that because I was never the cool kid at all. You know, I was always a little bit of a an outcast and I, I was thinking about that and I was thinking about throughout history how, you know, a lot of times it's the non-cool kids, so to speak, or the, the outcast or the misfits or the unusual people who have, have ended up making a big difference. You know, from a Christian perspective, I mean, that that stuff is all through history. I mean, if you don't have to look any further than, you know, the disciples of Jesus, for example. That was um, an example I've, I've given before. But, I mean, you know, fishermen and, and tax collectors and the most normal, quote-unquote, unremarkable people of that time. And they, they ended up shaking the world, you know, and be, being used in, in such powerful ways. And so... so that was kind of on my mind. You know, I was talking to a, a buddy of mine um who I, I talked to about a lot of these things and, and we were talking about the same thing and he said, yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of this, you know, some people call the kids of this generation the justice generation because they, they're they so desperately looking for a way to, to make a difference. And so so all these things were rattling around in my head and, and that's eventually where the, the idea for Ghost Ship came from. You know, it's like, well, there is a, there is a place that all of the kind of dead to the world, you know, misfits fit in and, and, and can be used in a powerful way, and and so, so I wanted to write something that was almost kind of an anthem, and uh, and that's how the title track came about, and and really, that's specific to that song, but but it's not too far off that thread that pops up, you know, here and there on the album in other spots as well. I mean, you know, Castaway, that's a song that's kind of related as well, you know, and that one's more about doing the right thing regardless of consequences, and and even when you lose, you know, so-called friends you know, for standing for what you believe in. And, you know, Currency in a Bankrupt World, which is basically an anti-suicide song, you know, so there's a lot of, you know, positivity is not a theme, but but it did keep recurring, you know, this kind of theme of encouragement and building people up. So so if there's if there's any recurring thread on the album, I would say it's that. And what about that Misfit label? Does that still fit into Matt Smith's world? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> as much as ever, you know, I've just kind of in my own little world doing my thing, and and uh, fortunately, some other people have come along for the ride, so I'm thankful for that. 
Well, Matt, thanks for taking time out to spend with the antidote. I really appreciate your time and uh, best of luck with Ghost Ship. Thank you, Dave, for your kind words about the album. I'm glad you like it so much. And uh, thank you for having me on. And uh, all you listeners out there, hope you like the album as well. And thank you for listening. <laughs>